no idea right now. He's just on BYU TV cruising with his shirt off. <laughs> well, and then uh, some Utah fans saying, I'm not going to buy any more Built Bars. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now live is the man who has now delivered on that initiative to take care of his walk-ons, BYU head football coach Kalani Sitake. Coach, great to have you on the program. Congratulations on a groundbreaking deal. What have your emotions been like over the last 24 hours as all of this has unfolded? Just been so happy for, for uh, these young men. And, uh, you know, I, I think the emotions for the whole team, for the coaches, uh, th- I've just been, it's been unbelievable. And it's been really good for our team. I, I just had a really cool conversation with a walk-on uh, late last night who expresses gratitude. But more than anything, the thing that he loved the most was the reaction of the scholarship players, uh, just wanting, just wanting this for the for them. And so, uh, you know, I think it's the right thing to do, and, and I'm glad that uh, they get they get some some relief, and, and hopefully uh, they can keep getting more. So I, I just think that. The life of a walk-on. I don't think a lot of people talk about it enough, but uh, it's it's hard, you know. And and, and uh, they're not given an opportunity to work because they're here working with the football team. And so, if there's an opportunity to take care of them, I, I hope. Uh, and I'm glad that 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 Bill um, was able to do that, and that Nick Greer and Deb that 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 they were willing to help out, and, and they saw the vision and the the connection and the, the way that they can help relieve a lot of stress and uh, with these young men. I love Kalani, everything about this. I love that BYU was out in front of it, which was incredible. Gary Verone did an article on ESPN.com saying, I hope the NCAA doesn't meddle with this because it's, it's all legal, it's all good. Utah doesn't have a uh, law against this, which is incredible. So what was the process like to get to this point where you thought when Bill came to you and Nick and, Nick and Deb, as you mentioned, hey, we want to do this, that yes, we can lead out in this because it made a massive splash yesterday nationally. Well, I think just talking about it as a staff and and really our wish is this is where we okay how can we uh, utilize NIL to help our team and, and help um, everybody not just the, the 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 star players you know but uh, I think name image and likeness it's hard to just single out one person we're we're a team um, and so. Who's, who's the one that needs it the most on the team? And it's the walk-ons. And uh, I, I knew going into it that the, the scholarship guys would be so excited about it. Um, and we knew that that was a reaction we were going to get. And how, I mean, they get something from it too, the scholarship guys, but they don't really care about that. I, I've had a bunch of the players just saying, hey, let's just keep taking care of the, the walk-ons. And you can imagine as, as a head coach how, how that makes you feel about the type of young men that I get to be around, the type of young men that I get to coach. And, and I think BYU fans at Cougar Nation should be really proud of the, the, how these guys interact with each other and how much they care about not just others in the community and, and Cougar Nation, but how much they really honestly love and care for each other. It's just a really cool thing to see in person. And uh, I'm just I'm just really, really happy for, for uh, how this can help, like I said, the walk-ons and their, and their families. Coach, without question, you knew this would be a groundbreaking situation for your players and the walk-ons and how, you know, how much they give to the program. But did you anticipate 
this national wave of publicity like it has unfolded thus far? Um, well, we knew that this was innovative and creative. And, and I, I, I'm, first of all, I got to give uh, tons of credit to uh, Gary Verone and Billy Nixon and John Swift and others in the administration that have really put a lot of work into this. And then just Nick Greer is amazing that, that he saw the value in this and, and that he was willing to help. Um, that's that's something that, that I think is unique. And, and it just happens that built is kind of what we've been using anyways. We have built, not born as, as some of our things that we talk about promoting a growth mindset. We've talked about our program built for life. And then now here, here comes along built with built bar and, and, and um, the built brand. So I think it all makes a lot of sense. It, it just, it's uh, definitely not coincidence, but I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing that just came into, into play and, and how everything worked out. I'm just glad that uh, we can take care of these young men. Um, yeah, I just get, get, get emotional thinking about it, but uh, I, I think there's I'd like, like to see more because I, I just, if you did a list of all the walk-ons that came here, you'd be surprised at how, how, how much of an impact they've made in, in this program, not just since I've been here, but from Bronco to Croton to Lavelle. Absolutely. Uh, and some of the best players in BYU history have been walk-ons. Chad Lewis and Dennis Pitta come to mind, right? Those guys were incredible later. And it pains me to admit that Dennis was great. I'm just kidding. Kalani, it, it's hard not to get emotional when you look at a guy like Talmadge Gunther right there who is, is married and is a kid and I was told maybe even has another kid on the way. That's really meaningful and, and humanizing for these guys who, like you said, bust their butt literally in practice day in, day out and, and have had to pay their own way. And now, now it's a little bit easier or a lot easier. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's the story. And that, 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 uh, you know, that, that this isn't about the star player and, and, Guys that are out in the NFL are really excited. I got tons of text messages from guys that are out there playing in the NFL, getting ready for the preseason games. That are just like, Coach, this is awesome, and this is exactly what we needed. And um, you just, you just, I'm just honored to, to be a small part of it and to see this happen and to see how much uh, relief it brings people. But. Uh, this is something that that I think a lot of people, when they watch it, the reason why it's getting so much traction is because um, now we're not talking about just the star players. We're talking about what actually makes up the team, and that's for us. It's everyone involved. We we we're, we're 123 strong, and 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 you know we we talk about being a team. We talk about loving each other, and and that's amazing when you can only have 11 on the field at one time. Everybody has a role here, whether it's a scout player or whatever they think. Um, they, they think that it's a minimal role, but it has a huge impact in, in our success as a program. And I think there's a, there's a strong sense of pride in, in everyone and their role in this program. And, and I know that there is for me as a head coach, but I, from our coaches, I think that's just a huge sense of gratitude. And, and, and the way you do it is by taking care of everybody as much as you can. BYU head football coach Kalani Satake with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're discussing the name, image, and likeness deal for BYU football with the built brands. And I just want to know how long this thing took to get in place, Kalani. When did the conversations begin, and how long did it take for it to really become a thing of reality? Well, we were hoping when, when NIL happened, we were trying to find ways to – this is something that was really important to – 
to me and, and to others in our program, our support staff. And this is something that we were hoping to get done soon. And it took some time, but once Nick um, was presented with the opportunity, you know, it's something that he just jumped on. It wasn't, it didn't take much time other than when, once he realized he wanted to do it, it, it went pretty quickly from there. And I'm really thankful that our administration, Tom Homo and his staff um, made us, made this happen. And and so I, I, I'm so thankful. This is, this is, this is a, a, a cool moment for all of us and can't wait to get the practice now. I, th- I think, uh, you know, the practice yesterday was good. We, we don't want it to be great because we want to make mistakes and get better, but uh, the energy and the excitement is something that, that, that uh, I think we can keep, keep going on and, and keep building on. Clunny, you mentioned you want to do more for the guys. Are there more deals in the works in the future relative to NIL and BYU football? Well, I hope so. I, I mean, the, the, you're seeing the what we're trying to get done, and I think a lot of people can rally around that. Uh, obviously, built um, is, is a company that wanted to, to jump in with it, and I hope others are willing to do that and help help the little guys and, and the ones that are struggling. That, that this is hard; they can't get a job. Their their job is football, and so a lot of them in the off season spend a good bulk of their time saving up, and a lot of them go into debt. Um, and you know, th- this is something that I think uh, when when NCAA made these rules and regulations that you can only have eighty five uh, players taken care of on scholarship, that made things a little rough. But I think sometimes you can take advantage of a young man wanting to be here and be at the school, and uh, we want to make sure that they don't feel taken taken advantage of. We want to make sure that we know that they they feel valued and that they know that what they do in this program, their sacrifice matters. And I just. I don't think it has really happened in the pocketbook. Coach, we're a little over a week into BYU football training camp in preparation for a very exciting 2021 campaign that opens against Arizona in just a little over three weeks. How close are the offensive and defensive playbooks to being completely installed and ready to roll in preparation for Arizona? Really close. So we're, we're I mean, uh, we're, we're going to scrimmage tomorrow have some live work. We had some live work um, yesterday. And so it was really cool. I, I like that our guys were able to get out there and, and tackle and hit um, some guys that, that have been out of it for a while, return missionaries and others that have, have uh, overcoming, you know, have overcome injury, had to test them a little bit. And that was really cool to see yesterday. And then, so tomorrow, today we'll have a good practice and get ready for opportunity to have more live work tomorrow. And then that's where we can start to see, uh, some separation in, in, in position battles and things like that. But this, the install has been not – it hasn't just been fall camp. We've been doing install for for a while in our PRPs and things like that. It's just a matter of having the coaches be involved now is during camp, and, and I, I think we're really close to it. Coach, again, our congratulations to you and the entire staff. Uh, we know so many people worked so hard on this and, and made really a miraculous thing happen. So uh, props to you. Can't wait to hang out with you again, and we look forward to what this is going to mean for BYU football moving forward. Man, love you, boys. Appreciate it. You Go Cougs. Save us Thank a cookies and, save us a cookies and cream built bar, okay? <laughs> Man, coconut's my favorite. That's the one. <laughs> Rocky Road, too. So, yeah. Duly noted. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kalani. BYU head football coach Kalani Sataki on BYU Sports Nation. That's awesome. They got a lot of flavors. Let's go. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. 
You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now is not a walk-on in his days, but a scholarship player, but someone who could certainly understand what this means to BYU football, Blaine Fowler, national champion quarterback. Blaine, you see that video. You see the emotion. Your son, Gavin, is part of the coaching staff. What does this mean to BYU football to have this deal put in place and moving forward? Well, I think it's huge, and it shows that BYU and Kalani Sataki, they've been thinking about this name and image likeness thing for quite some time now. They've been anticipating that it was coming. And Kalani wanted to be certain that they don't just take care of the superstars. Like, I think Clemson's quarterbacks, let's face it, they're going to make a million bucks a year and and the NIL thing. And Kalani was like, that's all fine and dandy. We're going to have people, they're going to have opportunities to make a bunch of money. But how do we take care of the whole program um, within the guidelines of what's what's allowed here. And this is the first step in that. I love that BYU is leading out on this. As you mentioned, Jerem, I don't know of anybody else that has announced a deal like this for walk-ons. And the impact in the long term on, rec- on recruiting is, I think, way bigger than any of us can actually fathom right now. Uh, because the way recruiting goes right now for BYU, you have your scholarship kids, right? And then... There's that next group that's that's just right there below. You know, you're, you're in fact some of them you're going back and forth on whether or not you should offer them the scholarship and offer the other guy a preferred walk-on. Unfortunately, maybe that next ten or fifteen are good enough that they're going to get scholarship offers in other places. A few of them will come to BYU because that's what they've always wanted to do, and so they'll just come and play on their own time. But a bunch of those you lose. And they go other places, and then you go to that next list of walk-ons that you have. And, and those are the guys that run the prep team, and some of those surprise you. But the guys that you missed that you wanted to come as preferred walk-ons that go scholarship someplace else, some of those guys end up being great players and going on and playing in the National Football League. I mean, I'll in the next week or two, I'll, I'll do a little research, and, and we'll come back, guys, on the show, and, and I'll make you a list of guys that BYU didn't get because they didn't have a scholarship for them that went elsewhere and ended up being big time. And I think we'll be surprised at some of those names. And so that changes the game in two ways. First of all, those guys that are, are borderline that develop and end up being great players, you get them now because there's no reason not to come. It's just as if they're on scholarship, right? And then secondly, the level of your prep teams, the teams that are getting your starters ready to play, is significantly better. When you have a great walk-on program, and now this is kind of a walk-on slash not really a scholarship, but a walk-on slash sponsored program, like nobody else in the country at this point, You, your team is going to be better prepared because your prep teams are going to be that much better. Um, and so I, I think this thing in the long term has a huge impact. I love that BYU is leading out on this. And there were those that said, hey, this NIL thing is going to just benefit the Texases and Clemsons more than anybody else. BYU was very well positioned and and with all of the booming businesses in our market here in Utah, BYU is going to tap into that. And BYU will benefit from NIL as much as any team in the country. We're seeing that already. Amen. And we talked about the walk-ons. Let's talk about the scholarship players. So this will be the equivalent of tuition added to that. So now they are making money. Uh, before they had signed a couple of deals, to they were going to make money. Now there's another to add it. So 
every player on the team is making money. If the walk-on chooses to spend it on tuition, that's great. Uh, that's up to them. But the scholarship players are now getting more and more. So it is an arms race, and BYU is competing, Blaine. That's the good news. Yeah, and they're in a very good position uh, to be able to do that because of the generous uh, – boosters of BYU, the generous grads that have come through this program and want to give back. Um, there's a lot of folks out there that have businesses. Now, you think about the economy in this state right now, even on the heels, I don't know, I don't know if we're on the heels, maybe we're midfoot. Is that a better description of where we are with COVID? But, but even with COVID running rampant this last couple of years, this economy has flourished. And there are a lot of very generous folks, um, uh, you know, the, the built bar folks, very generous and wanting to give back. They have the means to do it. They can do it through their corporate structure. BYU is in a great position, guys. They can compete when it comes to this. They, they, they've got the generous donors. They've got plenty of folks with successful businesses that want to help this program. I love this. And remember, i got a couple of kids that started out as walk-ons at, at BYU. This would have been unbelievable for them. And, and, and we're not in a position where some of them are where where economically they can't even afford to come to school if they're a walk-on. This is going to help a lot of a lot of young men, um, and it's going to make the program better, and it's going to help recruiting in a big, big way. Okay, Blaine, understandably, the recruiting gets a major boost. What do you think this will do for the morale of players 1 through 123 in their ability to compete and perform for their coaching staff? It, it just makes a huge difference. You can focus on practice. You mentioned it. Uh, that you don't have to go out and get a job and work on the side. Um, so you can focus on your studies and on football. I think it's huge. And so, uh, and also the level of gratitude, like these walk-ons already go out and, and they just have to be special dudes, right? And any sport to walk on, it takes so much time, but especially football to put in that amount of time with no financial remuneration at all. You have to have a special guy to do that. My sense is that this group of guys is going to be unbelievably grateful and they'll put that much more work in. They're going to go out there and give that first and second team an unbelievable look and practice. And the more prepared they are going into games, the more success they're going to have on the field. I just think this changes the tone of everything. And I think you're going to get some output out of that walk-on group. And, and, and don't get me wrong. This was a good dedicated group. Anyhow, they have to be to, sign up for that nonsense to go out there and just get beat up every day, maybe not make it out onto the field just for a dream and have to pay your own way. Uh, this is going to be a very grateful group that's going to even increase that level of commitment and, and play hard. I, I, I think it sends a great message to everyone on, on the squad. And, and again, I love the fact that BYU is doing something. Maybe somebody else has done something like this, but I have not heard about it. And Jeremy, I think you're right. I think BYU's BYU is leading out. It shows that they're organized, that they have a plan for this, and they're going to be on the cutting edge of what's allowable based on this NIL thing. It's going to give BYU a huge advantage. And for those wondering what the uh, big eyes emoji was this morning, it's this, and uh, it's a massive impact on the program. Okay, let's switch gears and talk about the quarterbacks. Yesterday, Kalani Sataki said that none of the three had really separated, but that he anticipates that, that will happen soon. At what point... Is that ideally happening so that that starting quarterback can get the maximum number of number one reps? I think, first of all, Aaron wanted to get the entire offense installed. And, and my understanding is, is that, that by the end of today, 
they will likely have all of the packages in. And now they'll make a few tweaks and add some things specific for game weeks based on the defense they're playing. But, but the entire offense should be in by the end of today. And so, so the install process, um, while they were doing that, Aaron's philosophy was every quarterback needs to get equal reps so we can see how they look in each of these packages. Now that you have the whole offense in, I, I think you start to say, um, and, and by the way, they've been grading these guys every day on every single throw. Aaron could tell you uh, completion percentage, situational awareness. Like he's got marks for everything for these guys and holding them accountable for what they're doing. So now the whole package is in. I think the, the, the quarterback competition really heats up now. And, uh, and you have an opportunity to start to see some separation as the whole package is in. Um, and so that this is when it really starts. I mean, it's been ongoing. But this is when I think Aaron will start to say, okay, I'm going to give whoever it is. Let's say it's Jared. I'm going to give Jared a few more reps with the ones now, and I'm going to Jake some more with the two, or vice versa, right? This is when he starts to mess around with more reps here and more reps there to see who's the best fit. But most importantly, to see who's going to take care of the football, run the offense, and get the ball to this enormous group of skilled players with talent. BYU's never had more talent at the skill positions. The quarterback's job this year, take care of the ball, distribute it to the playmakers. And whoever can do that best is going to start against Arizona. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation, former quarterback, dual threat analyst, and national champion. Blaine, I'm not sure if you heard the comments from Kyle Whittingham when he was asked to say three nice things about his rival. If you haven't, let me paraphrase, okay? He said, well, who's our rival? And the interviewer said, you know, doggone well, I'm talking about BYU. And he said, oh, the in-state game. And then he started talking about Colorado and Arizona State and USC and the things that have developed in the Pac-12 and essentially said, uh, let's just move on to the next question. What does that, what's your reaction to Kyle Whittingham not even addressing BYU as the rival for Utah? First of all, Kyle needs to remember his roots, which he does. So, <laughs> the, hey, when Utah got good, it's when all those BYU guys went up there and started to have an impl- impact, right? <laughs> him. He needs to remember that when, when Utah imported BYU, they got good. <laughs> um, so, so, and, 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 and Kyle, he's one of the most competitive, fierce, um, focused guys that I know. And he's also a dear, dear friend and my old roommate, right? So, so when I treat him, even though I, you know, I think he would consider me a cougar, um, you, you know, we, we still love each other and support one another, and I'm, always, and I'm always rooting for Kyle. Part of that is is to keep, you know, part of it is calculated, where it's like, no, like I don't want my guys to worry about or get too hyped up about this in-state game. It, it just needs to be treated like another game. That, you know, he wants them to be even-keeled and understand that they got a bunch of rivalries. they got to get up every week. And so when he speaks out like that, he's sending a message to his team, really, to, to, to not – overreact to BYU to not get too tied up in it. It's an important game, but we've got other important games. And so it's really, it's really message setting. Don't, don't let Kyle fool you. A couple weeks ago before the season started, I'm out on the golf course and who do I run into playing golf together? Kyle and Kalani were out playing together. So Kyle respects Kalani. They're dear friends. He respects the program, but he's not going to say that to the media, but I, I can promise you there's, there's mutual respect there. It's like playing your brother, and you know how that goes. If you got a brother that's close in age, and you go out to play a game, a horse 
or around the world in the driveway, you want to pound your brother more than anybody else. That's that's Kyle's mentality. He wants to beat his brother. He loves Kalani, but he wants to beat him. I'll tell you that. Blaine, great insight. We appreciate the time. Uh, we'll let you get back to your drive and whatever else you have going on today and give you some karma so that you're nice and safe getting there. Thanks, you guys. Of course, I pulled over because I didn't want to drive. I want to be... Because you guys know, the three of us, we're the safety guys on the missionary videos. I can't be the safety <laughs> and, and be driving while I'm on a show. So I pulled over, and immediately when I pull over, never fails, a weed whacker dude starts weed whacking over here on the side, and a guy with a blower behind. I'm like, come on. you got to be kidding me. So, so hopefully the weed whacker guy and the blower guy uh, did, didn't disrupt. But just know this. I want all those missionaries out there to know. We're the safety guys, and I pull over when we do the show. Situational awareness, Obe- my obedience. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Blaine. All right, guys. Oh, Blaine Fowler, never disappointing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a big deal, and you're starting to see the reaction on social media of like how big of a deal this is. This is going to make a national splash. And, and so we focused a lot on the walk-ons, but essentially the scholarship players are getting a match of the amount of uh, – you know, scholarship money for Good tuition. For Good for them. So, like, your employee, your Built Bar's matching that number, so they're getting paid even more. Walk-ons now don't have to worry about that part of it. Which BYU's is awesome. football team players 1 to 123 are now employees of the Built brand. And that first player you saw, by the way, we didn't mention him, Nick Billups, who's a transfer from Utah. He was a walk-on at Utah last year. He transferred here, and he's one of the seven quarterbacks. So, there you go. Congratulations. Ah, so guys. great. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Today, we will reveal the top 10 receivers BYU's defense will face. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. Let's go, homies. Number 10, RJ Sneed, Baylor. 39 grabs for 497 yards, three touchdowns in nine games last year. Second team all Big 12, good weapon for Jeff Grimes. Six foot one, two or three. Baylor's receivers, just by nature, kind of scare me. They typically are pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Super athletic, a lot of speed on the outside. Number nine, C.T. Thomas, Boise State, 5'8", 175. Listen to these career numbers. 117 catches, 15, 25 yards, 10 touchdowns in four seasons. 17 a catch last year, four 100-yard games. He had two catches for 101 yards, and both were TDs last year at Air Force. Big time player. Unfortunately, he's got time height. He's got to play in Pro Bowl this year, and that has not boded well for Boise State. I heard he's short, cocky, and comes from well. That's not, <laughs> not actually true. Travell Harris, number eight, Washington State, fifth year senior from Tampa, 5'9, 185, career numbers 103, uh, 1185 yards, eight touchdowns in three seasons. In 2020, it was seventh in catches and yards in the Pac 12. He also has a kickoff return touchdown. Normally, this type of receiver would freak me out, but I, and maybe this is erroneous, have a lot of confidence in BYU's speed on the outside and the ability to defend yep. the pass in man-to-man coverage. You're going to see more man this year. Number seven, Taekwon Thornton, Baylor. In three years, 81 catches, 1,294 yards, 16 yards a catch, nine touchdowns. In 2019, seventh in yards, third in yards per catch in the Big 12, 6 3 one uh, See, that's what I'm saying. You got two from Baylor in the top ten. Yep. That's scary. Number six, brother, elder, Britton Covey, Utah. In four years, Covey has 132 catches, nearly 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns. Also 5.7 yards 
precarious as a rusher and a dangerous punt returner as well with two touchdowns. Isn't he a player coach at this point? I think he's a GA um, who's playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number five, Theo Howard, Utah. Three years at UCLA, your favorite school spent. Then last year at Oklahoma, now Utah. Not a bad uh, LinkedIn there. Caught a pass in 28 straight games for the Bruins. 132 catches, 1,522 yards, nine touchdowns in his career. Six foot 170. I don't think people are talking enough about this guy. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's good, but he played at UCLA, so next. <laughs> so he's not good. Number four, Renard Bell, Washington State. 147 grabs, 1656 yards, 16 touchdowns in four years on the Palouse. Last season, he was top 10 in catches, yards, touchdowns in the Pac-12. Five career 100-yard games. Whoa. That is quite the resume. And Washington State has a couple of guys in the top 10 as well. They're going to have a lot of passing yards, obviously, a little more than most. But Maybe I should are... worry about them as much as I worry about Baylor's receivers. Well, they got to have a quarterback who can play. Yeah, touche. Number three, Khalil Shakir, Boise State. Love his name. 52 catches last season in seven games. That's a ton. 131, 1,761 yards, 13 career touchdowns. Four rushing touchdowns, too. Six foot 190. Had 10 catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns in the blowout loss to BYU last season. Remember, he kept scoring after BYU was up there. Yes, he's an NFL receiver, no doubt. We talked to the Boise State insider, and he said without hesitation, Khalil Shakir is the best player on Boise State's yeah. team. Number two, Brent Keithy, Utah. One of the best tight ends in the country, maybe the best. 79 yards, uh, excuse me, 79 grabs, 1,065 yards, seven touchdowns in his career. Nearly 18 yards of catch in 2019. Six of his seven TDs came that year. Also three rushing TDs as a tight end. He's so fast, they give him jet sweeps. Undersized, he's 6'2", 230, but he's like a receiver who splits out, honestly. Two-time All-Pac-12 selection. Led the Utes in receptions the last two years. Only tight end on this list. His game is fantastic. He's he's a matchup problem. So you're telling me that Utah might actually throw the ball this year if it's to Brant Keithy? Well, uh, you know... In 2019, they threw a lot. Tyler Huntley was like 70%. But they don't have Tyler Huntley this year. Yeah. Is Charlie Brewer going to be the yeah, guy? And is he exactly. going to target Brand Keithy? Uh, yes, on both of those. And the top receiver, BYU will play this year, or tight end, Drake London, USC. 6'5", was playing basketball too, but he's all football now. Didn't play against BYU in that game of Connecticut, by the way. 15 yards for catch last season to lead the team, along with 502 yards in six games. Career number, 72 catches, 1,069 yards, eight touchdowns for the junior. Top 10 in the four relevant categories last season in the Pac-12. NFL receiver in the future. Yes. Just because BYU beat a USC team with two NFL receivers on the roster in 2019, I'm kind of like... It might have been three, dude. Amon Ross, St. Brown, and... Michael... Uh... Pittman Jr. Pittman Jr., yes. And then they had one other. I'm pretty sure they had another. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Drake technically was on that team. Okay, so four. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, might be more. Maybe it's because USC is clearly going to be favored to win this game. I can't wait to watch BYU play against London and USC. London, the receiver, not the same. Yes. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time for Overreaction Tuesday, four days into BYU football training camp. Let's overreact to some highlights, Jerem, starting with this. Jaron Hall. That's it. Looking for his buddy, Nil Pau. Oh, yeah. So smooth outside of the pocket. I was told yesterday by someone, I'm not going to say who. Neil Powell is the best receiver on the team right now. Ooh, 
That's what I was told. More than Puka Nakua, more than Samson Nakua, more than Gunnar Romney. Neil's, Neil's crushing it. Neil's crushing it. Okay. Okay. So is that an overreaction or is that just uh, <laughs> no. a fact of truth? Just, just trust me that this is a, a, a good source here. True facts of truth. Just trust me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Jaron Hall can throw an out at 65 miles an hour with a football. Oh, gosh. There's no way. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Baylor Romney throwing to, again, Neil Powell. Okay. Neil Powell crushing it. Oh, a little, oh, little wobbly. That's all right. All right. Um, Keenan Peter was covering Neil, so Neil a little bit, you know, able to get some separation there. All right. How am I going to overreact this? Let's in. see. Uh, Neil Pau. Baylor oh. won't be the starter because of that single throw. <laughs> he won't start because his ball was wobbling. Because he had one duck. Come on. <laughs> Mind you, it was still caught and it was still completed caught and accurate. First down, probably. Yeah. All good. <laughs> that is a proper overreaction. That's an overreaction. Uh, you had a wobble, so we're going to go with somebody else. Yeah. See ya. No. Number three, Jacob Conover. This time for Gunnar Romney. Okay. Mm. Mm. Again, w- not in, not for a touchdown. Although, just wait. The spiral. Does Jacob Conover throw the tightest spiral of any BYU quarterback ever? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what? What's our next one? Just show us one. We'll we'll react to it. Okay. I think it's more Conover. Isaac Rex. Hey, tight that's, spiral, Jared. That's a touchdown. Who? That's Conover <laughs> to Isaac Rex. The elk. I think his antler got inside the pylon with the ball. Okay. So we're good. Hey, Isaac knows how to find the end zone. We need to get Gunnar Romney into the end zone. Right? Oh, Gunnar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, number five. Gunnar's incredible. Just Here's make- Jaron Hall to Gunnar Romney. Is this, does this go for a touchdown? Oh. Uh, in, in seven on seven, yes. Okay. That, hey, that overreaction, Jaron Hall will be the starter based on that throw. Just based on that throw. The, the seam? Yes. Just that beautiful throw? Yes. It's also nice when there's no six foot three, 325 defensive lineman breathing down your neck. <laughs> this is true. And five dudes backing up into you. Okay. Yeah. One more to overreact to. And this one is uh, on the highlight reel for the entirety of camp. Hobbs Nyberg! Oh! Oh! Hobbs Nyberg. Let's overreact. He's the greatest former BYU baseball player to play <laughs> football for the Cougars. I called his brother's games uh, Chunner. Uh, yeah, Chunner Nyberg. Yeah. That's right. Um, and his dad, Brent, played receiver on like the 98 team, right? Hobbs was a scholarship baseball player at BYU. And opted to give that up to be a walk-on for the football team. Wow. Well, your scholarship in baseball is like point three, right? Don't it, let you have details le- get in right. the way of a great You're, story, Jim. My bad. My bad. Come I'll on, just be over man. Here. I'll just be over here. Hobbs Nyberg. Uh, I wish there was a dude named Shaw on the team so bad. We could have some fun with that. Also, based on that, he's got the best hands on the team, Jim. Best hands on the team. Best Hobbs, hands on the team. Hobbs, Hobbs Nyberg. Nyberg. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I can't believe that tomorrow we're three weeks away, which means doing the math, Jerem, we are how many days away? Countdown to the Wildcats. 22 days. Yes, you enunciated the T's. 22 days. Shout out to the men's chorus. We welcome you back to the show. Joining us now on uh, Zoom is former BYU quarterback and uh, one of, until last year, until last year in Zach Wilson, he was the last guy to lead BYU to a 10-win season. That is, That's right. That has now changed because right. Zach Wilson did it. Riley He's the Nelson, last guy to lead BYU to a 10-win season that beat a uh, Power 5 team in the presence. 
There you go. Yeah. Yeah, because there didn't no have that chat yet. <laughs> Not even Zach Wilson <laughs> let's, did let's that. Let's qualify it so that we can keep this right. thing going with Ryan. And, and uh, 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 you got a, a new baby. You're, you're a new girl, You got Dad. a new baby. Congratulations, because all babies are new. Yeah, thank you so much, fellas. Margot Jane Nelson, our third, our first girl. We just could not be more thrilled to have her. She's uh, she survived her first few days at home, despite uh, you know balls constantly th- flying through the airs and maybe a little bit of cute aggression from her two older brothers. But uh, we could be more happy to have her join the family. Isn't that an interesting element when you bring in a little baby and you got boys in the house? I because I I get it. I, my two oldest are boys. We had the girl, and it was just like damage control for the first three months. Just just. Nice, soft. Touch softly. It's going to be okay. Put, putting her putting her in a bubble doesn't seem like a – I always scoffed at that idea. Now it's starting to sound like a better one as each day passes. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Uh, of course, we've been talking about just the shockwave that BYU football sent out yesterday when Bilt Bar announced they were going to pay the tuition for all 36 walk-on players and then give a little bit of an additional bonus to the scholarship players. Uh, Riley, what was your initial reaction when you saw the emotion uh, at the announcement of that deal with Bilt Bar? I mean, it was always a bittersweet moment when I was playing there when, because this is, this is nothing new, right? We've been seeing videos, but well, sorry, I should say awarding walk-on players scholarship or scholarship type money is nothing new. We've all seen those, you know, the coach calls them out. Maybe he's got his parents there. And we did those every year when I was there during fall camp, there was maybe one or two walk-ons that would get awarded a full scholarship. And I say those were bittersweet because um, yeah, no doubt that the guy that got it, it was harder, but there was, you know, five or six guys that probably, earned it, you know, earned that right too to be put on full scholar or at least to get some kind of financial aid. Just the limitations imposed by the NCAA didn't make that possible. So it was sweet to see that guy get rewarded for his hard work, but it was bitter because you knew there was other guys that were equally as deserving that uh, unfortunately uh, because of the the regulations were not eligible to be, to be, to have their hard work validated. So to see BYU uh, not, to see them lead out in architecting and putting something like this together, to me, it's just like as happy as we were for those one or two guys, now times that by what was the number of walk ons? 36. 28? 36. 36. So times that by 36. And now there's no more bitter component because each one of your brothers, each one of your teammates is getting, getting taken care of. Uh, maybe not to a full ride, but man, tuition, as we all know, is that's the biggest brunt of the cost of going to school. So it's truly life-changing and then program-changing for BYU to lead out and being one of the first to architect a deal like this. And not to mention all the good press that they got from it from a recruiting standpoint doesn't hurt either. We, we were talking about this, and we've been talking even during the break about the impact of the announcement. I, I dare say, and I don't feel like it's an overstatement to say this, because it's social media in 2021. To me, the reaction to something that BYU did today, that it – it might have been the biggest thing since, since Jimmer Fredette. I mean, you could argue Zach Wilson in the draft or something, but this was one of the biggest days in the last decade in BYU sports. What do you, what do you think uh, of that statement? Do you feel like that's accurate? I do feel like that's accurate. Everyone was talking about this on social media. I, I'm mostly on Twitter, so that's mostly where I get my move. But I even my wife said it even came up on her Instagram popular feed. So like this thing went as viral as viral could be. And as much as like, 
you know, Zach Wilson was getting some praise and he was climbing up the draft board and, you know, the Coastal Carolina game and things like that. It wasn't being talked about as broadly. This And by the way, this is not just the sports world. There are other news outlets that are catching on to this story and, and taking it wide. I'll say this, though. It, it caught me by surprise because I didn't have the vision, but I do know Nick Greer, who's the founder CEO of Built Bar and all the Built Bar family. And Nick is, by the way, as great as a businessman as he is, he's, a, he's an even better person. So uh, for BYU to align with companies and brands and people like him, uh, you just you just can't go wrong that way. But I'll say this, he's, a, he's so much smarter of a man than I, that I don't think he had any doubt that the kind of, exp- I mean, maybe the magnitude um, surprised him, but whatever money he's putting forth and sponsoring and paying for these tuition, he's getting back 10, 15, 20 fold in the positive exposure for BYU and for his brand, his brand or, and company built bar. So kudos to them. Well, not to mention they're now the official energy bar of NASCAR. So yeah, things are going well for Nick Greer in his company. <laughs> okay, Riley, what kind of an impact do you think that an announcement like yesterday will have on the program in terms of recruiting and trying to make the, the level of play on the field better? One of the things that I felt when I was there and that I think BYU has been the struggle in independence, and this even goes back Mountain West, even WAC days, I always thought felt like our ones could compete with most anybody else's ones. I mean, if you've got a 2019 LSU, maybe not, but like you take outside of those kind of elite generational talent teams, you take any any country or any uh, team in the country and BYU's ones, our best could compete with their best is what I'm trying to say. Uh, where we fell short a lot of times was depth. Let's say you get midway through the season. Unfortunately, you've got two or three starters out. Those second guys coming in, it's, it can be a significant drop off. And maybe you look at a unit like an offensive line and you got three really good players, but just two okay players. An announcement like this to me, impacts the forget the notoriety will fade the you know all the buzz all the social media the virality all that will fade but what i think will be lasting will be the effect that this has on making sure that all 126 of those dudes in that locker room all 126 players i think it has the chance to raise that caliber to increase the depth of what is already a deepening talent pool at byu And as anybody in college that's played football at any level knows the more depth you have the better off the, or the higher likelihood your team has of having success over the course of a long, grueling, injury-prone season. And it will be awesome to, you know, um, hopefully in the future they can get more deals similar to this because this is a one-year deal of, hey, listen, I know we don't have a scholarship for you here, but preferred walk-on, we can actually give you money equal to the tuition. You know, that, that, that's a big deal in recruiting as well. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Kalani Sataki a couple days ago said there hasn't been any separation quite yet. They're installing the offense. They're finishing that up. At what point do you hope there's separation so that we know who the guy is so that that guy can have the maximum amount of reps going into Arizona? I've not been able to uh, go down and see practice in person yet. I hope to in the next week or so. But here's without being there, here's what I can uh, surmise. It and I don't know if they're splitting reps equally. Maybe you guys can shed that light on that. But I know being in quarterback competitions with, where there was two of us, there simply weren't enough reps to go around. You can't, you can't increase the workload on the entire rest of the team. Well, you can to a degree, but you can't do it significantly enough 
to get the volume of reps for a guy to create true separation. In other words, you can't ask the one defense to double their amount of reps or their practice workload just so the the competing quarterbacks can get you, you can get a similar look and a similar evaluation. So going through those dynamics in a two man quarterback composition, now when they're we're talking about you know three in some way, maybe they're not splitting at thirds, but even if they are you know involved in that third guy to some significant degree, I'll just be honest, there aren't enough reps um, for to go around to have a guy truly separate themselves. The margin of error is just too slim. And so there's going to be a lot of pressure on coach Satake, coach Roderick to, they're going to have to use their gut. I mean, they'll collect a bunch of data and they'll do their best with those limited reps to make an objective evaluation. But in this, they're going to have to lean a lot on their gut, a lot of what, a lot on what they think the potential upside of each player could be and make their decision uh, that way and hope they're right. And if they're not right, then they also have to spend time putting in a, you know, a good contingency plan. So if their initial choice for, for whatever reason, you know, isn't performing to the level needed, they can move on and, uh, and it not hurt the team or hurt the, the chances for success over the course of the season. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson on BYU Sports Nation. Riley, perhaps you just outlined the most detrimental part of having a quarterback competition in fall camp. What's the best or most advantageous part of having a three-man quarterback competition in training camp? You know, there's uh, we often see this in professional sports. Like, and let's talk about the NFL because they have the wild card, right? You see that wild those wild card teams sometimes come in, and there was a streak there a few years ago where they were coming in, and there was a wild card team in the Super Bowl every year, and everyone would talk about the dynamics. Well, they've been playing playoff football since week 13 right because they've been fighting for their lives uh even to just get in the playoff as opposed to other teams where you know they kind of coast and it's playoff time and they can get caught off guard they're just not in that playoff mentality one of the biggest advantages is whoever of the three emerges they've been in quote-unquote playoff football or competition style football really since spring and so when you know the real game when they that game kicks off on the fourth in Las Vegas against Arizona, that's going to feel that game is going to feel far more like practice um, because the the intensity and the focus is so much closer to a game like scenario when you have a quarterback competition going on as opposed to a guy that feels pretty comfortable, doesn't really have a threat, knows he's going to be the starter going into the season. He can he maybe rests on his laurels and he he has a little bit of a rude awakening in that first game. Whoever is the guy taking that first snap against Arizona, it should feel like another day of fall camp because they've been competing hard every day, not only for the month of August, but since the spring as well. Jamal Williams is with the Lions now. They put out an 11-minute mic'd-up video on YouTube that was just it was yeah. amazing. When you first met Jamal, he comes in as a, a 17-year-old freshman to BYU. What was he like, and has he changed at all? So he was – you had to spend a lot of time with Jamal to see this side of him. Um, what, what was he like as a freshman? He was extremely quiet. Like, I know you'd never believe it <laughs> seeing that mic'd-up video <laughs> on him. Uh, he still had all the same weird interests, except like it's, uh, he's into anime now back then he was, cause he was so young and a teenager. He was more like coming off the Nickelodeon cartoons. <laughs> nice. I was like, man, man, this guy talks about like SpongeBob and, uh, what was the other one? Uh, not Jimmy Neutron. Anyway, he was always watching Nickelodeon and these Nickelodeon. Co- so the, the, 
off the wall interests have not changed, but he was just a lot more quiet and respectful. And I think as he's, I mean, and that happens with everybody, right? He was raised right. His mama taught him that in order to get respect, respect is earned. It's not given, you know, kind of speak when spoken to a lot of those traditional values was what he was brought up on. So that was him as a freshman, as a football player. Let me tell you one thing. I mean, toting the rock was always something you knew that from day one, like Jamal had a strength to him. He had an ability to set up blocks and you make quick decisions in the run game. And in the open field, he was always dangerous how he has continued to carve out a career for him in the league. And you see that, see that in that mic'd up video, his head coach telling him he's a warrior and how much he loves him. I never would have thought that that, you know, a little bit skinny, a little bit light, light in the trousers, you know, Jamal Williams that I played with as a freshman would become one of the premier pass protectors. Jamal Williams his carries may diminish, but his career in the NFL will continue to be prolonged because that dude has taken it upon himself to be one of the best at his crafts in protecting the quarterback. And if you know anything about NFL football, for good or for bad, it revolves all around the quarterback and him cementing his position as being an absolute you know, beast of a pass protector means that he's going to have a long and prop- prosperous career. But you need to be, not that Jamal ever shied away from physicality. He was always physical. It's just that I, he he came in and he was a sprinter and he was 195 pounds. I didn't think that he would grow to be, you know, the 225, 230 beast who's taken on blitzing, you know, blitzing 240 linebackers and stoning them, right? Like absolutely stopping them in the hole. Uh, I'm just so proud of him and, and, uh, and good for him for putting out content because that gave me, <laughs> I, I've watched it two or three times. So that's given me at least a half hour of solid entertainment. Riley, great to talk with you. Uh, Always fantastic insight. We'll do it again soon. Three weeks away, man. Let's go. Thanks, gentlemen. Can't wait. 22 days, baby. You got it. Riley Nelson, former BYU quarterback, BYU radio analyst, along with Greg Rebell on BYU Sports Nation. Love it. SpongeBob. Great. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Banter. Utah football head coach, former BYU football standout, Kyle Whittingham, was asked to say three nice thing, three nice things about Utah's rival. He then said the following quote, uh, who's our rival? We've got rivals in conference. We've got rivals out of conference. Interviewer. You know doggone well. I'm talking about BYU. Back to Coach Whittingham. Oh, that in-state game. Well, the dynamic has changed because they are no longer in the same conference. We were in the same conference forever. 50, 60, 70, 80 years. I can't remember what it was. So it's changed, and we've started to develop a little bit of a rivalry with USC, Colorado, Arizona State. There's just been some things that are starting to materialize inside the Pac-12, and so that's why I ask that question. But uh, let's skip to the next question. End quote. Jerem, what is your reaction to that answer from Kyle Whittingham when he was asked to say three nice things about his rival? This is BYU TV, so we've got to keep PC, but answer the question, okay? <laughs> just answer the question. Why can't you answer the question? Uh, yeah, I'm annoyed. Uh, I wish Kyle would just answer the question. Like, do we think that Kalani would answer the question? Yes. Yeah. Kalani did work at Utah for, what, nine years? So that, that, that dynamic, like, obviously he can appreciate both sides, loves both sides, loves the people, da-da-da. Like, this quote doesn't help if you're ever trying to simmer things down, 
right? I don't know that Kyle is. In fact, I think maybe it's the opposite. Um, yeah, listen, if BYU had won nine in a row, maybe we would feel differently in this moment. In fact, I think we would. Sure. Um, the sting yeah. wouldn't be as significant. Yeah. No, I'm annoyed. It's like, just answer the question. Just answer the question. If That's he all I want out of this. If he Come doesn't on, have three nice things to say about his rival, then just say that. Honestly, I don't have three nice things to say about right. my rival. I, okay. I loved going, like, just answer the question. I loved going to school there. Obviously, I'm on the, on the other side of this right now. We feel like we've developed other rivalries. But listen, your main rival is BYU. Like, ask your fans. Ask you. Also, if you had, like, I went to Copper Hills. We said that Bingham was our <laughs> rival. Bingham had no clue that was the case. Okay. Okay. Riverton was probably more of a rival or West Jordan, but Bingham was the big bad in this case. This is not the same relationship, but it's just an example, okay? Because BYU is better than Copper Hills was to Bingham, if yes, you will. Yes, yes. So Bingham was like, sorry, what? You're what? That's USC to, to Utah. Utah. Yeah. Um, Utah hasn't won the Pac-12 yet. They're not like some big dog. In this rivalry, yes, they're feeling like a big dog. They won nine of They should. They should. And uh, Utah's in the mighty Pac-12. Shouldn't they win this game every year? Blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the case. I, yeah, I, I just want an answer. Just answer the question. Why, why you got to be a tool? Why you got to be a tool like that? Like, that's a tool move. Come on, man. I know that I Arizo- like Kyle. I don't like this answer. I know that Arizona State fans hate Utah, and Utah fans hate Arizona State, too. Like, the Twitter revolution. That doesn't make it a rivalry. Has added to that. And, yeah, there's been some back and forth. That's but- Wyoming, BYU. Exactly. It's, not no a rival- it's a rivalry for them, not for BYU. There's no like significant history there. Like, tell me what is the rivalry moment between Arizona State and Utah? Well, one moment doesn't make a rivalry. I know. You need to have a bunch I'm of. I'm these. trying to give yeah. him the benefit of the doubt here. Like, what's like, the rivalry? Like BYU moment? and Pepperdine and men's suit. Nope. Mm-mm. No. Naturally, Spence, in conference, you will have pseudo rivals, but the rival is BYU. Come on, yes. Man. Come on, man. That in-state game. All right. So yeah, it's annoying. But in a way, I'm okay with this because I just want the fire that BYU feels of whatever. And people say don't use the word hate, but uh, it's, uh, it's, I a, think it's, Utah. it's a heated rivalry. Max, okay. Fuel the fire. Like, stoke it up. Remind them of this every single day. Give them some type of added motivation to go and I would hope they don't need anything. The street. Right. But if hey, they need something, hurt. I have a problem. It doesn't hurt. It's like, kid, it's, it's, it's come to this, where he like won't even address the fact that we're here. We're just the in-state game. We're the team down south. Yeah. We're the in-state game. Like, Again, it's like two days Pour in a row more of... gasoline on the fire. Pour more on the fire. It's... <sighs> I don't want BYU players to feel like they have to need anything. If you're not motivated enough after what has happened the last decade, I have a massive no, issue. No, the thing is they can, I have a they massive can, issue. They, I'm sure they feel motivated. But this, tell me this doesn't no like make the flame pop a little bit higher and the fire burn a little bit hotter. I would hope that cup is full and you're pouring more water in and none can go in. It's full, baby. Like, <laughs> we all do this with the dishes. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's full. Like, just let it soak. You're good. Like, it's all good. I, <sighs> I guess my issue yeah. here is if BYU had won nine games in a row, like, would Lavelle Edwards have ever answered the question this way? Because they, no. did, win, they did win nine in a row. No, Lavelle would have had a classy response. Right. I, they they saying, won 18 of 20. I'm not saying what he, Like, I like Kyle Whittingham as a guy. I know you do. And I think I don't he's an incredible like football this, coach. I don't, he's... Too good of a football coach. In fact, that's the issue. Most people think that that BYU will not beat Utah again until Kyle Whittingham is done in Salt Lake City. What do we believe more, that or that BYU won't win the WCC until Mark Few's gone at Gonzaga? 
Like, what's the stronger? I, <laughs> <laughs> I believe BYU will beat Utah soon. It might be this year. I don't know. It, it's going to happen. They're not going to run off John Wilner's 27-game win streak. That's not going to happen, okay? Because guess what? Utah's not going to be good every year. At some Utah's point, not be good every year. the bounces will go significantly enough in the favor of BYU that they might luck into a win. Okay, I'm surprised, that they haven't, I'm surprised they haven't yet. Uh, yeah, how, yeah, how come? When's BYU going to go up 35 nothing in the first quarter? <laughs> 20 nothing wasn't enough in 2018 at Utah. Well, 20 nothing over BYU in the Las Vegas Bowl wouldn't have been enough for Utah either because uh, BYU yeah. scored uh, 28 unanswered. A lot of this emotion stems from the nine-game losing streak. Of course. It really does. In fact, it might be entirely what the emotion is, the, the fed-up nature of BYU not winning the game. Le- and maybe it's less about Conley answering the question. But all it is is like, don't, from, from this side of the coin, don't act like you don't know that. Don't act like you, we aren't your rival and you've moved on to bigger and better things. We're talking about a single game. We're not talking yeah. about your whole season. Yes, if BYU was in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 and Utah wasn't, we would probably be similarly annoying and snarky. But I would hope that Kalani Sitake would answer the question. Yes, even if BYU had won That's nine in a row now. Yes. Kalani would answer still answer the question. The question. And he'd probably say, they have an incredible football coach. He's an amazing mentor to me. I love the program, the people up there. Uh, the athletic department was fantastic to me. Like he would, The he, fans are great or yes, whatever. Yes, yes. yes. Just even if right. BYU had won nine in a row. Kalani would still answer that question. I don't know that he's not classy by answering in this way. I just wanted a more classy answer. <laughs> again, I'm going to say it again so that if we chop this up on social media, this is not taken out of context. I like Kyle Whittingham. I, I don't like this answer. <laughs> I kind of like it. I've because been to the I, dude's house. It, it like, gives, I gives, like Kyle. It gives a little bit more context to me building up to the game. Like, yes, it's, it has come to this. I don't need Anything I know you don't to get. I know you freaking don't. Juice. Are you sure? Because this has pushed you to this limit no, today. I feel no, no. On August twelfth, whatever. In a month and minus a day, I am jacked. <laughs> going in, I am jacked, Jimmer. Going into that game from ninety five <laughs> to two thousand eleven. Once I started producing, I couldn't go to the game. Minus my mission, I was at every game, every game, every time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. It was, yeah. Okay. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to, you, <laughs> I don't need a warm-up to get excited or annoyed or reactive to this game. Yeah. Listen, BYU needs to build the good mojo a week before they take on Utah. And that starts with the win over Arizona. In how many days? Countdown to the Wildcats. 23 days. Now, I'm saying 20, and you're saying 20. Do we want to go hard to or soft to well, my last name has a T in it, Linton. and it's Linton. Linton. So I, I would always err to the side of enunciating the T with uh, that. You would always t- err? Just kidding. Well, it's play on words. Linton. So we're doing a hard T. Yes. One T. Yes. One, two, three, D. I'm hearing my dad, Kent, say, now when you say your name over the air, Listen, make if, sure you enunciate the T. If Kent's, telling Linton, us, if Kent's telling us to do the hard T, we're doing the it's hard T. Linton from Clinton by the mountain. I thought you were Spencer Litton from Clinton by the mountain. <laughs> I actually talked to a dude who's from Venezuela last night who's okay. cramps from Portuguese, and he All said, right. I don't quite have the Utah accent. I'm not saying mountain. 
So I was like, good for you, man. <laughs> you haven't you haven't digressed enough yet. Exactly. I mean, you say 23. Like, yeah, I say 23, but when we're I guess when we're doing the countdown 23, 23 we're singing. Because we're singing and, oh, because and singers we're singing enunciate. Men's chorus, what's yes. up? <laughs> our, Shout out to the homies. Our question of the day. Get out of here. <laughs> what is your reaction to Kyle Whittingham's comments about his rival? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. <laughs> this is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. What's the platform this person is weighing in on? Twitter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Stop. At Matt Moon Double Zero on Twitter. Twitter. He's good at playing the rivalry. He knew the whole time who RJ was talking about yep. and trolled yep. BYU fans hard. Yep. I fell for it, and it made me dislike <laughs> Kyle Whittingham even more. <laughs> However, hashtag one is coming. Yes, yes. The belief. Yes, it is. <laughs> Listen, that's good. That's like an excellent PR move. Two days in a row, we have allowed, and I agree with it because we're a talk show, we should. These incendiary comments come in, and then we get fired up, and then, yeah. Yeah. It's a little first ticky, but it, it, sometimes you got to go there. Uh, Kevin McGee on, twi- on Twitter. Twitter. BYU needs to win and make it a rivalry again. Eh, it's a rivalry. That's not determined by winning and losing. When it gets one-sided, whichever side has won for over a decade can say these types of things. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Like, because Utah's won nine in a row, they can be uh, tools about that. From their tools from our perspective, going, oh gosh, why? But let's not act like we're without sin yeah, here. Yeah. We can't be oh, casting no. stones. We, we, we would do the same thing on the other <laughs> side. I would just hope we'd, Kalani would answer that question. And I think he would. When if I, asked after nine in a row. I yeah. think he would. Yeah. That's who Kalani is. Yeah. Right. Kalani's a different kind of dude. Yes. Yeah. By the way, when I say Twitter, okay, I feel like uh, a certain character named Moyer from a show I won't talk about. <laughs> Right? From Craps Creek? (laughs) On the Twitter. Yes. (laughs) David. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Weighing on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Making a national splash. In fact, we've called it a national shockwave, and I don't think that's overstating it. Generated by BYU football yesterday. Hey, positive publicity, anyone? The Cougars and Bilt Bar got a ton of it. Jerem, what was the best reaction from yesterday's BYU name, image, and likeness deal with Bilt Bar, in your opinion? It was Talmadge Gunther uh, getting emotional about having school paid for. I know that. I was told that Talmadge Gunther is a great dude who... Is married and has a kid and might even have another one on the way, question mark. So for someone like that, that means a lot, right? But in terms of the national reaction, let's just walk through some of this. I, this was great. Um, Kirk Herbstreit, this is incredible. Watch this video, quoting him. By the way, the video that BYU Football posted, 1.6 million views on Twitter. And growing. Okay, David Pollock of ESPN, just watch and enjoy. So awesome. Todd McShay, ESPN sideline reporter. As a former walk-on, this means everything. Darren Ravel, business reporter. Wow, this is a really meaningful deal. Holly Rowe, former True Blue host, ESPN, ABC, Sideline Reporting. Amazing investment. So cool. Front office sports. Covers the business angle of sports. One of the best NIL deals you'll see. Utah-based Bill Barr will pay the tuition of all 36 walk-ons with BYU football. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN. Tuition covered for all 36 walk-ons from agreement with Bill Barr. Fun scene in Provo. Ross Dellinger. 
Today, two companies built and Walk-On's restaurant have announced deals providing NLI Walk-On's for Walk-On players, something that so many thought would ruin college sports is already bringing positive change. Charles Snowden, who plays in the NFL, this is one of the coolest things I've seen, and so on and so forth. Literally, you could read all day the positive reactions. Yes, there have been some who have asked questions about this. BYU's out in front of this, but here's my favorite quote of the day. Gary Verone, Associate Athletic Director with BYU, who's been charged with Built for Life. He's a big uh, you know, advocate and spokesman relative to NIL for BYU, said the following. Uh, in the article, Verone said BYU did not consult with NCA officials to make sure it wasn't stepping over any loosely defined lines. An NCA spokesman did not respond to questions about the deal. They did check before to make sure generally they were good, but they didn't go, hey, are we good to do this? They, they felt they were good to do it, and then they did it, which I love because sometimes I feel like BYU waits too long to do things. They got out in front. Can you They're imagine? The first to do this. Can you imagine the repercussions of the NCAA coming back and saying, no, you can't do this after everything that happened yesterday. Well, and maybe that wouldn't be public. You know, Verone said, this is new terrain for everybody. The NCAA has been withdrawn in terms of guidance. I'm hoping they stay out of this place completely. That is a strong, strong statement. I dare say this is one of the biggest days in terms of reaction and dialogue and narrative and conversation with BYU ever. Because it's in the social media era and it's in the off season, and BYU's out in front of it. I think this was a banner day for BYU football. I think the way that it was handled in terms of the presentation, the angles, the recording, the video, the post, the release. I think it was fantastic. And it's been 99% positive, which is really hard to come by. Sure. And the 1% negative is, from what I can tell, centered on the fact that because every state is a little bit different in their laws and how things can be distributed— the fact that BYU is in Utah, and as Varun said, we feel blessed because we don't have a state law on the books that would prevent this from happening. Yeah. There are some other states and other programs that are saying, well, hey, we, we want to do this too, but our state law won't let us do this. So NCAA, you need to intervene here and you need to regulate this thing because every state is a little bit different. NCAA can't regulate law. It was to BYU's credit and, yes, advantage to look at this clear it with the state law, and make this happen. Well, identify that there is none. Yes. They didn't have to talk to anybody about it. It's that. absolutely One doesn't to exist. their credit. Yeah. I love it that BYU saw space and occupied said space. I love that. Within this deal, Built Bar will also have the logo on BYU helmets, and they'll have some practice, signage. Practice helmets. Right, some signage in the stadiums and things like that. So yeah. it's, it's a long-standing relationship between Built Bar and BYU. This isn't the, just like a one-off thing. Well, the, the, the walk-ons thing is a one-year thing. They did a multi-year deal with BYU Athletics. Correct. Which is different. When you're doing it with the players, that is separate than BYU Athletics. Right now, those are being managed as well as possible, and that's new terrain. Um, by the way, some clarification in the ESPN um, article as well. Scholarship players are getting $1,000. Up to 1000 For repping the company. Yes, and they have to do some things. Like yeah. they ha- they have you to can't do just things. hand money. It has to, yeah, they it have be to, earned. Yeah, so it's not pay for play. It's pay for you gave us something, quid right. pro quo. Something. That's why they say, hey, we want you to be employee number one and employee number right. two and employee right. one through 36. Like they're going yes. to do things for Built Bar. So walk-ons will actually get more than the scholarship players from Built. Well, they that's need pretty, more. That's pretty good. In terms of yeah. supporting their ability to pay for schooling. Yeah. 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 That's so great. Like, 
again, you said like 99, probably more than 99% of the reaction has been positive. So is it like sanitizer? It's 99.9, but you sure. can't guarantee yeah, it's, it's, a, that... it's a hand sanitizer deal because there's always <laughs> going to be somebody that feels like there's a germ in there that uh, yeah. is going to get out of control. Which, you don't, you don't want everything to be 100% positive. It, like, it's okay to ask questions and wonder and whatever. That's fine. But I, I love... And there's Talmadge Gunther. I love that BYU's out in front of this. And, and props to Bilt for um, doing this. Like, Bilt could not have paid for what they got yesterday. Literally everybody in college athletics they know. knows about Bilt. And how many tweets and social media posts did you see from just random people saying, I love it. I I'm, just bought a box. I'm buying a box. I'm buying a box. I just bought a I box. I think Jason Shepard was trying to get in on the deal yesterday <laughs> on Twitter. That's what it felt like. But, yeah, this is awesome. Like, what what an incredible experience for these guys. Well, and then uh, some Utah fans saying, I'm not going to buy any more Built Bars. <laughs> All right, be a tour. Long live the rivalry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, speaking of the elk, he was kind enough to speak with Jason Shepard following practice yesterday. One-on-one BYU Sports Nation All Access. Isaac, I have waited an entire year (laughs) to ask you a certain question. It's probably something that only I want the answer to. But I'm finally going to get my chance. All right, I want to hear it. On the back of your jersey, I Rex. Why the I? There's no other Rex on the team. So I'm curious why. I wish I knew the answer to that. But I have a brother. My only like thing that I could think of for why they put I on the back is Preston, my brother, was committed last year. He was thinking about maybe coming before his mission for a year, but he decided to head out. And so maybe they he had he was on the roster for maybe a couple seconds, but maybe they just wanted to. No one really knew who I was last year, so they needed like an extra eye on there. So because Rex wasn't good enough, they maybe thought I was Byron or Preston or some other. Rex. Well, see, I thought maybe it had something to do with your dad. That maybe you said, "I, I want to be I Rex. I want the the designation." No, but I, okay. So you had no idea either. I had no idea. It just was on there. And I was kind of just went with it. I didn't want to complain about it because I know the equipment guys work so hard for it, for us and <laughs> for everyone. But uh, guess what? I don't know the answer. But are we uh, going to see Irex again this year? I might as well keep it. It worked well last year. Twelve so. touchdowns. Yeah, pretty good freshman season. It's I would I, say. I'm pretty superstitious too with uh, like equipment and stuff. I kind of like whatever. I, if I played good one game, I wear the exact same thing the next game. And so I was thinking maybe I just keep the Irex and. Roll with it. So does that mean you basically wore the same thing the entire year because they're well, pretty much every game? I had a game? couple tough games. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I, uh, I I just like wearing what I feel comfortable in, and then uh, I am pretty superstitious, so I eat the same food and all that. It's kind of weird. but After the type of year that not just you had personally but the team had, how much more excitement is there for you heading into this year to build off of that? Well, I'm just excited to – playing some in front of a lot of fans i haven't had that full capacity feel yet and i'm excited for to play some really good teams like arizona and utah and arizona state and a bunch of other good teams early on in our schedule but 
I feel like we're, our momentum's picking up in practice, and we're starting to get back to where we, uh, we're feeling comfortable, and the quarterbacks look great, and all the other positions look great. So I'm just excited to be out here playing. Even though there's going to be a different quarterback, how much nicer is it for you and your teammates that the offense is going to be the same, that, yep. that you're going to be able to continue that and you don't have to, that you can build off it from a continuity standpoint? Yeah, no, honestly, last year, especially early on, I was thinking a lot about the scheme, about the plays, about what I had to do on this specific play. And now that I know the offense really well, it's you could just play and not have to worry about what's going on and uh, this different front and this different bl- these blitzes and what's my assignment. I could just play freely and, and uh, play with confidence. As we talked about at the beginning of the interview, quite a freshman season for you. Do you feel the need to, to top that, to be better than that, or is it just go out and play your best and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I think it's just go out and play my best. I mean, I have high expectations for myself, but also we have a lot of great uh, guys on a lot of great skill positions. I mean, we have two, I mean, a lot of great running backs. We got a lot of great receivers, a lot of great tight ends, a lot of great quarterbacks. So, I mean, we got to, not everyone could have the ball every play. So, um, I'm just going to go out there, play my best for my team, and help them win. Well, let's talk about the uh, tight end position. Obviously, it's probably one of the most lethal and deep positions, certainly mm-hmm. on the offense. How good do you think this group can be? Because a lot of people, including myself, are pretty excited to see what this can do. I think we could be really, really good. Like, like just watching us in, in practice and watching the other guys, like we are so talented at um, – every position but i think tight end could be one of the most talented positions because holker looks great off his mission he looks really good and fast and explosive and obviously carter and mason the the fullback and lane and bentley like we have a lot of good players so um, i'm excited to watch um these guys work in practice and then i'm um, gonna contribute to that room also what's and granted it's only been a couple of days but how has camp gone for you and the offense it's gone really well. I feel like early on it was kind of tough getting back into it, but we're starting to pick up and we're starting to um, feel like we were later on the season last year. And honestly, um, throughout all last year where our offense was clicking. So we're, we're feeling good. We're getting used to the, the quarterbacks, you know, because it's uh, kind of tough working with three but three or four, but we're, uh, we're getting used to them and they're throwing great balls and they're making us look good. What areas do you do? Maybe you feel need improvement, and what do the coaches talk to you guys in terms of of your position group? That maybe there's some improvement that still needs to be made. Uh, for me personally, I could always get better uh, blocking. Uh, we're going to play some really big DNs, some really big linebackers this year, so I could always get better on my technique and blocking. Um, route running, I feel like um, I've gone better since last year, but I could always improve on that. There's so much I can improve. And that's what, why we're here for eight hours a day, ten hours, like, because we're just trying to get better and and to work. But um, I could say this: I, I feel a lot more comfortable at this time than um, than last year at this time. So I feel good and I'm ready to roll. It's probably pretty scary for opposing defenses to hear that they're a little <laughs> bit more comfortable after what you did last year. So let's let's look ahead just quickly to Arizona. You guys have obviously a couple more weeks of practice, but. How excited are you guys to be able to, like you said, play in front of fans? You're heading down to Vegas, Arizona, to finally get this thing started. Well, I think we're going to be the first uh, full-capacity uh, fans in that stadium, right? So that place is going to be rocking. I heard they already sold, like, 50,000 tickets or something. And so I literally, like, stay up at night um, dreaming about that game. So I'm so excited to be rolling and uh, 
to go play the Wildcats. All right, last thing, some uh, some personal news. In fact, I think we're I think we're going to break a little news here. Uh, a, a big change in in your life, in your personal life. Would you like to uh, let everybody know what's going on? Well, a lot of people didn't think I could actually get a girlfriend, and then I did that, <laughs> including Kiki right here. She really, she told me, she said, you can't get a girlfriend, you're not. She's agreeing. She's not, she says yeah, it's true. You're not good looking enough, and you don't she have the personality. And so she, she told me that, and I took that to heart. I took that personally, and then I got a girlfriend, <laughs> and I was able to actually, she actually stuck around with me, and so we're, uh, I got engaged uh, yesterday, so I'm really excited. And her name's Lexi Davies. She uh, played volleyball at UVU. She's very beautiful and tall, and we're going to make great uh, Division I babies. For BYU. For the Cougars. Yes, that's what I, that's so what I like the to the class hear. of 2040, <laughs> watch out, because our kids are coming. <laughs> Isaac, great stuff. Congratulations on the life news, certainly. And uh, I know everybody's looking forward to uh, to another fun season. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh my the Elk, Isaac Rex. Great Division One babies. <laughs> We're going to make great Division One babies. He's not the only great BYU athlete to go the Utah Valley volleyball player route. Yoli, Yoli Child also with Megan. With Megan, yeah. yes. Oh, they're great. They're great. And and what a uh, yeah, great stuff from Jason. What a great freshman year he had. Like I I think he'll be hard pressed over to topple twelve touchdowns in a season. For those that don't know, that's tied for fifth in BYU history in a year. For touchdown catches. I mean, any pass catcher. I mean, Cody Cody Oppen never had 12 in a season. Dennis Pitta definitely never had 12 in a season. I mean, it's incredible. And our stat of the day illustrates another point. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Isaac Rex had a touchdown catch every 3.1 catches in 2020. Yep. I've got to dig into this a little more, but of what I've found so far, if you go like minimum 25 catches, that's number one in BYU history. 37. Dig in a little more. But. He had 37 total catches. Yes. 12, 12 touchdowns. touchdowns. That is unbelievable. That's crazy, right? What he did was pretty remarkable. So keep it up, Isaac. All right. Vision one, baby. I think we need some overreactions, Jerem. Let's, uh, let's keep this thing rolling. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Colin Cowherd, longtime national sports talk radio host and personality, said yesterday, doubling down on his critique of Zach Wilson, and I quote, Zach Wilson reminds me a little too much of Johnny Manziel. Small, cocky, and comes from wealth. Okay, keep in mind, this happens after... Mr. Cowherd said last fall about Zach Wilson, quote, he's a very clever player, got the height, got the arm, moves around a lot. If you watch him play, you look at him and you're like, that works somewhere. I've watched him play for a couple of years and my takeaway is he does a lot of these clever things. He's got a little point guard in him. He looks like an NFL quarterback to me, end quote. Okay, Jerem. My first question, which we will get to, is what changed between last fall and yesterday to make Colin Coward flip-flop? That's a question for Colin. Right? The question for you is, in that critical critique, small, cocky, comes from wealth, reminds me a little bit too much of Johnny Manziel, is there any part about that where Colin Coward is right on Zach Wilson? Yeah, it comes from wealth, but that doesn't... That's not. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. 
Okay. Why is that considered a Why negative thing? Why does that matter? Do we think every successful quarterback came from poverty? I like what? Why does that matter? Did Tom Brady and Peyton a, Manning come from poverty? I'm pretty sure Peyton Manning came from wealth. Dad played in the NFL, right? Like, yeah. But Colin Coward argued yesterday. Stop making the comparison of Zach Wilson to Peyton Manning in terms of who's, wealth. Who's making that comparison? Well, people were saying like, "Hey, Peyton Manning was successful. He came from wealth. So why is that a negative thing?" Well, oh, it was 25 years ago. Stop making that comparison. Yeah. Well, let's look at let's look at what he said. So small is he small? No, he's six three two. He's three inches taller than Johnny, Johnny Manziel. He's the same weight, three inches taller. He's, he's three inches taller okay. than Johnny Manziel. And again, last fall, he said he's got the height. Those are Colin Coward's sports. Yeah. He's got the height. He forgot. So, full disclosure, I used to love Colin more than I love Colin. I think he's great. I think he's off base on some stuff now. I think he's clickbaity a little more than he used to. First takey, if you will. Okay. Um, I used to listen religiously. In fact, I used to listen as a teenager in Portland when he was a local guy in Portland. Yes. Okay? So my history with Colin goes way back. I like Colin. I think he's yes. very smart. I think he's really good at his job. Clearly, I just he's think talented. He's, right. Yeah. Listen, like most people, you're going to be off sometimes. He's off on this one. He's not small, okay? Cocky. Based on what? The headband? Is that what we're basing that information off of? And is when, that what it is? When does it become, How do we know this? When does it become cocky and not just confidence? Also, by the way, do you know who the cockiest quarterback in BYU history was? Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. Um, I think he's the number one quarterback in BYU history. I don't care if a guy's cocky. I don't. Because if they deliver, it doesn't matter to Like, me. what's the difference between swaggy and confident and cocky? Because I feel like cocky is a mixture of confidence if, and swag. If you listen to Zach talk, that's not the vibe you get. No. You get, like, great teammate, hard worker. That's like, why, that, like, that's that's why that's I want vibe. Colin Cowherd to have Zach Wilson on his show. Invite him on the show. Talk to him, yeah. and then tell me that you still think oh, it reminds me a little too much of Johnny Manziel. He's well, cocky. Johnny, well, Johnny had off the field issues with partying. Obviously, yes, way deeper things. He had Listen, addictions for th- crying out loud. Yes, and people have issues, and I don't want to make light of said issues, right? Of course um, not. Johnny liked to party, liked to have a good time. Zach went to BYU. Okay, it doesn't matter what level of Mormon you are, or if you are Mormon at BYU. It doesn't matter. But this place is unique. This place is unique. And Zach, Zach Wilson chugged water while on screen at an Islanders game. He was made fun of for that. Zach Wilson could, if he wanted, drink beer right now, and it doesn't matter. He's not at BYU. It doesn't matter, right? It's not against an honor code that he doesn't need to live by if he doesn't want to right now. Um, yet he chugged water. That's the difference with John Manziel right there. And then the wealth thing. Again, what does that have to do with anything? So what? I don't. Zach Wilson... If, if, if Zach Wilson was entitled, why would he sign up to go to a school that just went 4-9? and nine? Why, would, why would he uh, not transfer after not getting the job? Why would he, Zach, Zach Wilson is – we got to know Zach at a higher level after he left BYU than when he was at BYU because we got to talk to him every week. And that's why I feel strongly yeah. about this. That's why I want yeah. to go on record and say, yeah. Colin, talk to him. Spend 30 minutes with him or even 10 minutes with Zach Wilson – and tell me you don't feel differently about the comparison to, uh, he reminds me a little bit too much of Johnny Manziel. The, those comparisons happened early in Zach's career just because literally he would flush out of the pocket and make a throw on the run. Make that a was play. Accurate. A that's it. Like, that's the comparison. And they're both white? I don't know. Like, I don't know what else the comparison would be. Zach's not small. Sure, he's cocky based on the headband. Like, I don't think he's actually cocky. I, I, I think when Zach came out of Corner Canyon, maybe the perception was that. 
but he was crazy hard working. He, it's okay for Colin to make uh, whatever takes he wants. He's a national host. He's not going to get deep. He's going to be surface level, and he's going to incite a reaction. That's his job. He did it. It's successful. We're talking about it right now. Here's the reality. I feel like it is more about an issue that Colin Cowherd or a calculated move by Colin Cowherd to go after the New York Jets and the Jets fan base because he knows they will engage. Yeah, and no, he knows BYU's fan base will engage. We're, yes, we're playing into that we are. right now. Here yeah. we are. Yeah. But when he says small, cocky, and comes from wealth with the negative connotation and then makes the comparison to Johnny Manziel, my first reaction was, I cannot think of two more different people on the quarterback spectrum than Zach Wilson and Johnny Manziel from a personality and just life-standing standpoint. So I responded, okay, Colin, except Zach is punctual, accountable, disciplined in his quarterback craft, driven, responsible, teachable, doesn't party, and handles criticism with class. Like, And I could have kept going. His work ethic is something that is special. And we've talked about this several occasions with all of Zach's coaches. We've heard it from Robert Sala, his new head coach. We've talked about it at length with Steve Young. Zach Wilson is a unique character. He is in the details, very in the moment of the details. He's a nerd when it comes to, like, football study. Johnny Manziel was not that guy. And, again, those are deeper-seated issues. We're talking about addictions. and stuff. Like, that. that's tough to overcome. That's why I have a hard time with this comparison because – Zach's coming from an entirely different backdrop. Yeah, and it's I'm not gu- close. I'm guessing that Colin's not talking about off the field per se. He's just talking on the field with Johnny. Okay, well, again, even if, even if it were on the field, hey, he's three inches taller than Johnny Manziel, and in Colin Coward's mind and in his words, he said, well, he's got the height and he's got the arm. Yeah, and Johnny, Johnny, was, uh, Johnny was a more successful collegiate athlete than Zach. Like, he won the Heisman. Would Colin Coward say this about Zach Wilson if the 49ers drafted Zach Wilson? Probably not. No! I, and to, full disclosure with Colin, too, he has, I think he has a place in Park City. He at least visits regularly. He loves he Utah. He went to the 2019 USC and Washington games. Okay. He went to those games and in person. Again, it's easy for us to go after him without Colin Cowherd here, but Colin did say, I'm rooting for Zach. It doesn't feel like that. Well, he's, but, again, he's a national talk show host. We shouldn't get too burnt up over this because he's there to incite a reaction. And he did. He's and, Success. And guess what? He's at Fox. He's not at ESPN. Like, first take, yes, they're trying to do that. <laughs> Fox, they lean that way a little more in the incite. Okay, this, this, is the, this is the Johnny Manziel that was invited to a Peyton Manning summer camp uh, that was – it featured all of the Mannings, and he didn't show up to the clinic for these high schoolers that had paid a bunch of money to come and work with the Mannings. Like he just didn't show up, and this is not that was like not like a one off. He just he, there were issues there. So Zach is where he needs to be when he needs to be doing what he needs to be doing as just, far as as far as football goes. I just wish that was in San Francisco, not in New York. Okay, and I think that that's what this is about. If Zach Wilson got drafted by the 49ers, we would not be having this conversation. Not even for a second. Yeah. To me, this conversation isn't necessarily even about Zach Wilson. It's about it's the about, Jets. It's about Colin Coward and what a national TV and radio host does. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and in our super biased opinion, of course, we love Zach. 
<laughs> yeah, a few people were like, yeah. a classic BYU guy coming to defense of his BYU quarterback. Uh, yeah. What, what are we going to throw our guy yeah. under the bus? Why would we do that? We talked to him every week after the season leading yeah. up to the draft. That, and was then fun. that was fun. Every week for like a month after the draft. So, yeah, we were very close with Zach Wilson. And I just, I'm not okay with the, with that comparison. You feel like it's a character defamation. Yes. Of Although it's not technically that, right? Yes. Again, national host. He's getting a reaction. We're playing in that. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> hey, Colin said he looks like an NFL quarterback to me. He is an NFL quarterback for the Jets. Absolutely. Number two overall pick, an historical pick out of BYU football. Well, one could argue sometimes that the Jets quarterback isn't an NFL quarterback, but in this case he is. <laughs> Hey, you tell us. You can sound off on that as well. Hashtag BYUSN. Do you think Colin Cowherd is right also? Let's bring the joy back into this. Where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Send us (laughs) your Jamal Williams uh, replicated yearbook photos. We want to see more of these. Love it. Hashtag BYUSN. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Utah Open champion and BYU women's golf standout Kirsten Fotu. Do we need to address you now as just champion? Is that what we should call you? I mean, if you want to, but no, Kirsten <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. Kirsten, the champ. I, I, I like that. Um, congratulations on winning the Utah Open. This wasn't just a, against amateurs. There were some professionals, you know, uh, out of college competing in this. What was it like to win that? Um, it meant a lot. Um, a couple of years ago, I won the Utah State Amateur, which is just the amateurs in all of Utah. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to be able to compete against professionals as well and to be able to win that. I'm always fascinated by how golfers in the highest pressure moments handle that pressure and continue to perform at a high level. So when you're getting down to the wire and you are understanding that, okay, I can legitimately win this thing, how do you stay in the moment and not let the pressure get to you? Um, honestly, we work on this a lot with um, just within our team during the season and just kind of focus on things that work for us as players. For me, I like to focus – well, my main thing is every tournament I just say shot by shot, like just take it shot by shot, hole by hole, and not get too outcome-oriented. So I feel like that's what I tried to do pretty well um, in the tournament and, and um, yeah, ended up working in the end. So, yeah, just focusing literally just one shot at a time and what I need to execute at that moment. Thanks to Randy Dodson for the pictures. He always gives us the great golf pictures. We love Randy. Uh, okay, where do you fit athletically in your family? Let's walk through this. Your dad played football at Ricks in Montana State. Your sister, volleyball mm-hmm. at Oklahoma. Sister, Salu, uh, golf at BYU. Your brother, Garrett, golf at Minnesota. Brother, Isaac, football at Dixie. Holy shnikes, Kirsten. Yeah, um, so I'm actually the middle of 13 kids. I'm number seven. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess most of us are – all of us play, play sports, um, which is pretty fun. We're a pretty um, competitive family, as you can imagine. But, uh, yeah, it's been – I mean, we have football, we have volleyball, track. Some of my younger brothers run track. Um, golf, obviously. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been Are good. you the best golfer in the family at the moment? 
You know, I am, but it's because um, my older siblings are kind of retired right now. <laughs> Did they retire because you're good? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe I retired. Them. <laughs> they're like we can't. They're like we can't hang on this. We're out. What what's uh, what's home life like with 13 children and all of those practices and games? Um, I mean, it's it's winded down a lot more these last couple of years because all the people older than me or all my siblings older than me are married and have their own families and live on their own. But then um, it's still pretty wild, too. I mean, my mom's running around to three different practices for three of my younger siblings and then trying to come watch me compete, watch my brother compete on um, Fridays at Olympic High School for football. So, yeah, it can get pretty wild, but um, definitely not as wild as it has been in the past. Just because <laughs> we're all- Kirsten Foto, Utah Open champion and BYU women's golf standout with us on BYU Sports Nation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a relation to Tony Finau. So with that uh, collaboration in effect, what kind of tips, if at all, has he given to you? Yeah, so we um, we grew up playing with him and his brother Gipper. He's obviously older my or ten years older than I am, so he grew up more with my older siblings. And um, his dad is the one who kind of started us to golf. He kind of got my dad to start us when we were really young. So I mean, yeah, it's he's he's great. Um, we're pretty close. He always tells me never to hesitate to reach out to him, and it's been really cool to learn from him through his experience. He has a lot of experience for sure. <laughs> so. Yes, he does. It's been great. It's awesome. Yeah. Kirsten, for a long time on the PGA Tour, at least on the men's side, there was like one Polynesian. It was Vijay Singh, a Fijian. Now we're seeing Tony Finau and others uh, play the game of golf, which is awesome. On the women's side, um, what's golf like uh, in terms of growth among uh, Polynesians and uh, other minorities? I mean, it's definitely growing for sure. We um, All growing up, I was at, it was actually just me and Naomi Soifua and Lila Naliai who are my teammates here at BYU. But um, it's crazy because nowadays we'll go out to any public course and we see a lot more Polynesians starting their kids in golf, which is super cool because you never saw that growing up. It was always all their kids would play like volleyball or football because, you know, we're all a lot bigger than <laughs> most of these other golfers. But um, yeah, so it's it's definitely growing. Um, LPGA is growing as well, um, especially Americans. It's cool to see a lot of these Americans be at the top as well. And so hopefully see a couple of Polynesians there in the future as well. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let's have some American representation in a sport that's been largely dominated by South Koreans. Okay. So I'm, I'm, uh, yes, I'm fully for supporting this. All right. Uh, let's uh, finish with this. The momentum that you take from this championship and Leela takes from uh, winning her championship. How does this impact BYU's women's golf team moving forward into the season? Um, yeah, it's very exciting for sure. I think the main thing right now is just we got to keep keep going off of this momentum, keep working, um, keep dialing in things that are working and sharpening things that are maybe need a little more sharpening. But yeah, I think it should be uh, it should help our team a lot as we go into fall season. And yeah, I mean golf's golf's crazy. You can play good one day and then really rough the next day. So that's the thing is we just got to keep working, and um, it should help our fall season for sure. Okay. Champion, thank you for joining us on BYU Sports Nation. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Here's some photo with us on BYUSN. That's uh, awesome. And and I love that the the game's growing among Polynesian players. That's awesome. Hey, one key cog in a great women's golf program right now. Absolutely. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this 
on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's only fitting we're talking about running backs because we're discussing the running back depth chart position battle for BYU. And we know that Tyler Algier is the guy. Lopini Catoa is also the guy behind him. But who's running back number three for BYU? This is one of the more intriguing battles in BYU football training camp because there are a bunch of guys, Hinkley Rapati, Jackson McChesney, Sione Finau, among others, Jerem. Who is in position to be running back three? Miles Davis. No, I Miles uh, Davis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the quote of peeing your pants at school? I'm Miles you Davis. Consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure which guy's going to win the third string um, spot. And it does matter. I think it does matter. There weren't as many carries for that guy per se, but listen, any position, um, you're one play away. You got to be ready. And different situations, different packages, you got you to be ready. Jackson McChesney is going to be a good running back at BYU. Um, you know, he had 224 yards on 14 carries and two touchdowns against the high school called UMass. Yeah, that was probably the worst in college football team that BYU has ever played. Listen, ever. but, you know, well, if B, why didn't that happen every year against the crappiest team? It doesn't. That was a notable performance, right? Hinkley Ropati is intriguing. He is jacked! 5'11", 220. He is, like, first team all, like, BYU football calendar if they made one. You know what I'm saying? And Sione Finau... Is interesting too because Fino had a nice uh, freshman year. Actually, led the Cougars in rushing in 2019, which is interesting. Um, Sione was not listed on the roster we got last Thursday at the first practice. I asked about um, you know Sione and was told, "Okay, the guys that aren't listed are working through some injuries or rehabbing or eligibility. Eligibility probably in most cases means hey, just finishing some summer class and making sure we're good. So I'm not exactly sure what the situation was with Sione." Hopefully he's out there today. Um, you know, we'll try and do our best to follow up on that and see where we're at. But there were a number number of notable Cougs, you know, not on the list as well. Hopefully they can get back to practice and be good as soon as possible. But I don't know if I had, uh, you know, who's the healthiest? Jackson McChesney got hurt against Navy. Hinkley Ropati got hurt before the season. Sione was coming off a knee injury and uh, is finishing up something injury or eligibility. So I don't know, man. But I do like those three dudes. Isn't it interesting that we brought up the UMass game because now that I'm thinking about it, Tyler Algier started the scoring for BYU as a running back, catching a pass out of the Mm -hmm. backfield and then sprinting down the sideline. And it was a story because he was playing linebacker like the week before. Yeah. So was that the moment that BYU coaches were like, okay, you're a running back for good? I'm not sure against UMass that was the moment. Uh, But (laughs) I, I think the way he played the last couple of games, after the Hawaii game, they gave him a scholarship in January. So, he w- but they didn't hand him the ball on that third down. Right. So, yeah, Finau, McChesney, <laughs> Tyler Algier. Oh. Yeah, it was a simple throw. I know, I know. Still the number two pick, though. <laughs> All good. This, this matters. Running back three matters because yeah. it's a position that takes a, a beating by nature. And more often than not, yeah. a guy gets nicked up, banged up for a game or two here and there. BYU's going to need – a solid option at number three, whether that's Rapati or McChesney or maybe both think, of them. Think about it. Whoever is one of those guys is going to be the fifth string. That's wild. Crazy, right? And how good did Miles Davis look in limited action last Miles year? Miles had a couple of bright moments. Last right. Year. Yep. So I wouldn't the, make too much of it. It's garbage time against some of those teams. But, yeah. 
it's nice to be able to ask the question, is the running backs room next to the receivers the deepest position group on BYU's football team? We need to see a little more. We haven't seen Hinkley play. We've seen Sione play enough to know he's quali- he has some McChesney, quality. Yep. And Algier We've and Katoa. We need to see Jackson against uh, meaningful teams. Okay. Yeah. Not UMass. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.